the instant nature of electric information movement is decentralizing. The instant nature of electric information movement is decentralizing rather than enlarging the family of man into a new state of multitudinous tribal existences. And the new integral electronic culture creates a crisis of identity, a vacuum of the self which generates tremendous violence. The instant nature of electric information movement is decentralizing. Rather than enlarging the family of man into a new state of multitudinous, multitudinous tribal, tribal existences. So rather than us being connected into one whole worldwide web, we all seem to be in our own little information. I think the word they've been calling is silos. I prefer to call them information bubbles, because bubbles can be popped. Well, it's been rather difficult not to uh, observe the tribalist divisions that are appearing all around us in the United States. It's definitely not just the United States. The United States. The United States. And I, it appears other parts of the world as well, especially Europe. And I guess I have to say the Middle East, I mean, with the Sunni and the Shiite and the Kurds and the Persians and so forth. There's been tribalist stuff going on with them. Anyways, that's what I'm getting to. It's about tribalism. It's all about these divisions. And we have to come up with some way of minimizing the fracturing of our society. It's breaking up into groups, little small groups that view the others as not just different, but as, as a threat. Somebody that means to do you harm or if they get into any kind of power will do terrible things to our country. And how simply explaining to people how we're all connected and we share the same basic values and goals that by bringing this to people's attention would lead to a greater unity in our country. But I'm learning that I have to reject or abandon that kind of thinking. The naive utopian hope that if we could all get connected, we'd get closer to each other, we'd understand each other better and feel a, a unity. Abandon that kind of thinking. Connectedness. That would bring us all together. And we'd Abandon that kind of thinking. Sound like a global vision. The world, the earth is our home. Abandon that kind of thinking. And we coordinate an intelligent, less harmful plan for the future. One that's less harmful to the earth, the atmosphere, human beings, as well as the other creatures, from the ones that we eat to the, from the ones that we capture in the sea, incidentally kill other ones, just another negative externality. So this utopian vision, this is not realistic. And as a fan of Marshall McLuhan, I should have freed myself from such unrealistic thinking. But just as I still cling to the, and I know it's not effective enough, too few people are affected by logical, uh, factual information. They respond emotionally. And I think 
initially we all respond emotionally to things, but given time to consider it and apply our logic, do a little bit of research, some of us will modify our initial beliefs, our emotional responses. But the more research I do into motivated reasoning and cognitive biases and information avoidance wounds, is where people where they'll direct themselves away from places where they might get alternate views. Anyways, Marshall McLuhan in a Playboy magazine interview back in 1968. This guy has some long sentences. Anyways, let's go. 1968 now, remember. This is long before we had the internet and the World Wide Web. The electronically induced technological extensions of our nervous system, which I spoke of earlier, are immersing us in a world pool of information, movement, and are thus enabling man to incorporate within himself the whole of mankind. The aloof and dissociated role of the literate man of the Western world is succumbing to the new, intense, depth participation engendered by the electronic media and bringing us back in touch with ourselves as well as one another. But the instant nature of electric information movement is decentralizing rather than enlarging the family of man into a new state of multitudinous tribal existences, particularly in countries where literate values are deeply institutionalized. This is a highly traumatic process, since the clash of the old segmented visual culture and the new integral electronic culture creates a crisis of identity, a vacuum of the self, which generates tremendous violence, violence that is simply an identity quest, private or corporate, social or commercial. And then there's ellipses, so that's just a portion of it. And then what struck me the most about this, especially during this reading, is a vacuum of the self, which generates tremendous violence. Violence that is simply an identity quest, private or corporate, social or commercial. But the identity quest, I just heard something the other day, I think it may have been on, on the media, but they were talking about the Proud Boys and, and these other members of the right-wing organizations. That they're, those young guys, they're mostly just people that feel disconnected from the world and they're looking for a group to belong to. And the act of acting you know, with violence to others, to the outgroup, is a way of showing your loyalty to the group that you, that you want to belong to or that you claim to belong to. I guess that's the way we get soldiers to prove their loyalty to their countries, too, by showing that they'd be willing to do violence to others because they belong to a group. Our group. And then when we have things like Facebook. Facebook, America's number one news source. Facebook. Which happens to also be the world's largest advertiser. Facebook. Facebook. And Twitter. And YouTube. 
and Google directing our attention, making suggestions for us based on what other people did, that's going to be siloing people just by its very nature. YouTube, where they were saying that, you know, the whole point of YouTube is to get you to watch another video. And that's why if you let them make suggestions, you're going to go into these information silos. And the conspiracies are one of the most popular ones. And it's just like following the line. And they put up something that's related. I mean, it's easy to go with it. And if you're on autoplay, you don't even have to push a button. It'll just lead you right along. And you can just... Take it all in, along with everybody else that watched a selection of videos in a similar order. And then that'll lead to more people watching those videos in that particular order, and it reinforces itself. So we got all these people breaking into tribes, separating, and they can get plenty of information to support whatever they want, whether it's uh, that the earth is flat or that the so if you are watching YouTube, you may want to consider clearing your cookies and turning off the autoplay. I mean, obviously, this sort of tribalism is nothing new, and it's never completely gone away. But in the United States, at least, it seemed like we had kind of sublimated that stuff into sports. And, and, and being fans of various musical groups. These, these sort of divisions were generally harmless. Generally, I say, unless people took their uh, emotional passions a little too seriously, like happened with a lot of religions. And the next thing you know, you've got people fighting with each other. And as we know that... Uh, it be in our country and probably most countries know full well that the best way to keep control of people is to keep them looking at each other and then you apply Freud's observation about the narcissism of minute differences in that people will be shockingly or disproportionately by small differences in what their neighbors has in comparison to what they have as opposed to the difference between what they have and the people you know, full level up from them on the social class. But the thing is they don't generally interact with those people in the next social class whereas they see their neighbor every day. They become obsessed with these minute differences and even build resentments towards people from very small. You know, maybe somebody did get a little bit of a lucky break. It makes me think about something that I read, that not only do most lottery, people that win the lottery, don't keep their money for very long, 
there's usually not much for them to pass on to a next generation because if you're not used to having large sums of money, it's real easy to be taken advantage of and not properly manage it. But there's also, and this is even a bigger concern, is people around the lottery winner, their neighbors tend to go bankrupt. There's a much higher incidence of bankruptcy because they're trying to keep up with their now lottery-winning enhanced neighbors. So this tribalism and this competition stuff just seems to hurt people as much as it helps them. Thomas Friedman, in a recent column, was also writing about tribalism conveniently enough for me. But he writes, in essence, we have moved from partisanship, which allowed for political compromises in the end, to tribalism, which does not. And then he quotes uh, or references Norman Ornstein and Thomas Mann, who have a book that's called It's Even Worse Than It Looks. How the American Constitutional System Collided with the New Politics of Extremism. It says, in a tribal world, it's rule or die. Compromise is a sin. Enemies must be crushed. And power must be held at all costs. And then he goes on to blame Newt Gingrich for a lot of it. But then saying that Mitch McConnell perfected it when he said that he was not going to let Obama succeed. You know, the hope and change, he was going to make sure there was neither any hope nor much change. And then in the end, when he would denied Obama the right for his Supreme Court choice was the end. I actually reached that conclusion a while back before the 2016 election with a local NRA guy. guy. He was talking about the election and he was saying, yeah, well, we're, we're putting up a big billboard about Benghazi. We're going to win. And it didn't matter whether Benghazi was a real problem or not. It was about winning. And it was the same thing with the NRA and about being able to have more guns. His goal wasn't to have people safer. It was to win. Even if more people died from having guns, he still would have won. Well, and this is America. Some win, some lose. And it was the same thing with the, with the Affordable Care Act as well. It's not like they really thought they had a plan to help people stay healthier for less money or get better medical coverage for less money. It's just about not letting the Democrats win, even if they were trying to implement a Republican policy that would actually help many people win. It's not about keeping people healthy the opposition to it. It's not, they're not trying to find a better way to make people healthy. They just don't want it to work. But we kind of knew that because they were calling it a failing health care bill before it even was implemented. I've always been a, a, a fool for the Enlightenment, thinking that, you know, reason and logic, and if given the proper facts in the proper way, all minds will be persuaded. But I've 
religious convictions is that while yes, facts and logic and a good argument can be influential, the percentage of people it influences is relatively small. Like this saying, way back in my early writing classes, show, don't tell. And the thing about showing is you don't even have to be precise. Tell a story that implies seems much easier than going out and doing all your homework and verifying the information, testing it. Why can't people just be influenced when you lay something out in front of them? And look, here it is. This is the logic. Follow it as many ways as you want. You're still going to come back to the same point or very close to the same point. But now they'll construct extreme uh, barriers to agreeing with you. I mean, when you're free from truth, you can just make up facts as you go along. Not really worry. Doesn't bother. Them. The science that you're offering them, as so happens in the uh, global warming discussions, climate change discussions, we got to find a way to see is one once we understand that I know it sounds like the old 60s thing but it really is true and we are can't separate the oxygen around you from the oxygen inside of you well that's what the experts say but that doesn't mean that it's true I was on a website the other day and it said that different people breathe different air but you'd be dead. You gotta keep it going. Water too, food. We're all in this together. You guys have gotta find a story. Not that long ago, the United States, and actually more, you know, a large part of the world, all shared in this story of exploring space, finding out where we fit in the universe. And I know we still have the International Space Station, but it's like we kind of lost interest in that kind of exploration. Things got smaller instead of bigger. And now it seems like the majority of our space exploration is being done by uh, individuals, private corporations. It's not being done by us anymore. Being done by the wealthy thems. It's not a group effort anymore. If we need to refocus on something like that, I would like to focus, I think we could focus on caring for the earth and renewing it. But for a lot of people that, those folks in the other tribe, people that seems silly or at least not, not financially advantageous for them, I guess.